Welcome to the IAOM podcast, First Break Stories from the Roll Floor. I'm your host, Simon Tietke. Today we come to you all the way from Africa. Well, at least our guest is. We are joined today by Stefan Lutz, the director of the African Milling School. Stefan's and my friendship goes back well over 10 years, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast today to talk about his biggest adventure in his career so far. But first, a word from our sponsors. Bühler Insights is the digital service available from Bühler. It provides unprecedented levels of transparency for your process by capturing data from the machines in your plant and then visualizing that data in a digestible format for you to make more informed decisions about your production process. It works on a single machine, an entire plant or across a multi-site organization. Bühler Insights is a powerful, customizable and highly secure digital solution that increases productivity could be increased yield, reduced plant downtime, machine, line or plant performance analysis and comparison or reducing your energy usage. Whatever your top priority is, Bühler Insights has you covered today and into the future. Contact your local Bühler office to find out more or just search for it online today. GEA Golfetto Sangari consider milling raw materials such as maize, wheat and cereals as a promise. A promise to all their customers to promote environmental sustainability and make the most of the resources offered by our planet. That's why GEA Golfetto Sangadi's milling technology is developed with the aim of protecting raw materials in the most effective way by reducing internal friction, optimizing the layout and maximizing the energy savings. Discover how GEA Golfetto Sangadi develops and builds milling plants of any size and any capacity on GEA.com. Hey Stefan, how are you doing? Thank you, Simon. Very well. Yourself? Not bad, not bad at all. Sitting here on a nice morning in Minnesota. Um, I feel like you are a little further away than I am. Why don't you tell us where you're at right now? I am quite far. Uh, I'm actually already knocking off or I'm about to knock off of a very long day here in Africa. I'm in Kenya, Nairobi, at the African Milling School. So where are we located? I know Africa is quite a huge continent. Quite a bit, yeah. But, uh, but we are somewhere between Somalia and uh, Uganda. Most probably most of you know the, the movie Black Hawk Down no? in Mogadishu. So that's our neighboring country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are about 500 k's to the Indian Ocean. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where we are, in (laughs) the heart of Africa. Yeah, you don't really have a a strong um, Kenyan accent, so where where are you from? Yeah, no, no, definitely uh, my accent is is a big mix-up, I would say. Um, I grew up in Switzerland, Um, had several stations all over the world. Mm -hmm. I'm also uh, Italian. So Swiss Italian, so they're already a mixture. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would I would say that most of the Swiss are are a good mixture of European European countries. Exactly, so, because even there now at the moment I'm in the heart of Africa, and there in Switzerland I was in the heart of Europe. No? <laughs> <laughs> so nothing really changed, maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> Stefan, um, what is your official title? With obviously. African Milling School, people are going to hear this in the intro, but what, what is your official title with African Milling School? I'm the director. I'm heading the, the school here. 
Mm -hmm. Good. So in... And this now since January 1st. Okay, perfect. I was going to ask that, yeah. And But you, you've been involved with, with that school for a little bit, right? Maybe maybe you want to give us a little bit of a, of a history of, um, of that school first, and then we can talk about you a little bit. But I know you've been probably involved since the first day of the school, right? Yes, exactly. That's absolutely correct. So just imagine the, the idea of... Uh, of the school, opening up a school in Africa came about 2010. The idea came from Martin Schlauri. He was here before me. Which a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably do know who Martin Schlauri is. Yes, exactly. So yeah. that was really the initial idea of himself to open up a school here. The, the point why having a school, first of all, we should maybe start there is, yes, uh, the, the school was fully founded by Bühler, also fully financed by Bühler. So the idea was, yes, on the one side, we are selling equipment, we are selling processes to the beautiful continent of Africa. And on the other side, we always lack on well-educated guys here, well-educated millers, good stuff, reliable stuff. So we wanted to go to the next step and we wanted to ensure that the guys on the ground are also trained properly. And that's why the, the idea with the African Milling School came up because we already have Swiss Milling School, we have Kansas State, we have in China a Milling School, India has one. Yep. So why not also in Africa? So that was the initial idea. Exactly. And then, then I, I remember from my yeah. time in Swiss Milling School that there used to be a lot of, um, not a lot, but a fair, fairly decent amount of of international millers coming out of Africa doing the Swiss milling school. And um, I remember exactly. the school being booked out. I mean, now it's booked out for several years, usually at a time. So is that was that yes. kind of one of the inspirations too, to kind of keep it local and, you know, try to unload the Swiss milling school a little bit, but also have the local school? So we, we clearly have to define here that uh, we are not kind of uh, on the same level like Swiss milling school. Mm -hmm. Um, Swiss Milling School today has a big focus also more on management skills, how you lead teams, uh, how to design a mill, engineering topics, all these things is actually what we are not transferring uh, here. Uh, here we are much more based on the basic know-how. What is milling? How to adjust the roller mill? What is important if you do the corrugations? Mm -hmm how to do maintenance so really the base stuff the ground stuff i could say okay so like a it's it's more like what probably i went through maybe you probably too like an apprenticeship in milling right that's so, it yep. yes so is it so is the inspiration behind it to to um have somebody that that finishes the african milling school even maybe go to swiss milling school is that an idea or that's actually happening Oh, yeah. And it happens very often because that's the other point sometimes because we didn't have a school here. All the know-how to transfer was completely lacking in the continent. So the guys were sent to Switzerland and then it happened very often that the guys were just failing at the Swiss milling school. Mm -hmm. So now with our platform, they come first to us. They go through a very intense training over a period of two years if it's the apprenticeship course. And then afterwards... Many times, especially we also if we look to Western Africa, then they are sent to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. 
And those who were sent since we opened now here at the African Milling School in 2015, those who were sent in this period of time, they were all very successful at the Swiss Milling School. Most of them were even some of the best graduates mm -hmm. there. Very nice. Well, that's a that's a big deal, you know. Especially I I know myself. I went, and it's not easy to be to be one of the best graduates in the school. Is definitely a high standard going on there. So that's that's yes. quite the success. So um, how do you how does your course structure look like then? So you say you're doing that since 2015. How many students did you start with? How many students do you have now? You know, maybe maybe introduce me a little bit how how they get started and walk through the school. Yeah. So in 2015, we started, as said, uh, uh, Martin started as a director and I was his uh, main teacher, his technical teacher. So the students, normally we have big classes, up to 30 each class. They would be rolled, signed up uh, by an employer here, can be any flour mill in Africa and Middle East. They come to us for three models in modules in the first year and another three models in the second year. So how we do it is on the first day, we actually start at the intake pit. So we guide the students through the entire value chain, what the flour mill has. So we will teach them first what is important at the intake, how to do the very basics like moisture content, how do you do the organoleptical tests at the intake for your grains, how do you design an intake, how do you store it afterwards. So all these are very big topics we mm -hmm. discussed in the first module and this first module is normally one month. So in the morning we have always classroom sessions where we transfer all the theoretical know-how and skills and then in the afternoon because we are such a big group we have to split in into three groups so each group will have 10 students and they will cover different areas one goes into quality control into our laboratory the other one goes into the school mill and the other one is doing maintenance mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so yeah so please. just just a um, quick question i've been i've been to the great continent of Africa, to several different flour mills there. And, and I've seen from, let's say, the smallest mill that pretty much runs with bags being put into an elevator leg, right? And then packed, milled and packed into small pack by hand to um, big, big Western-style flour mill factories, really, right? So how do you, do you, do you see that as, as an issue? Do you Do you get people from all those kind of different companies and how do you cover, you know, that kind of knowledge? Yes. So that's, we faced in 2015, we faced uh, different, uh, different uh, challenges. First of all, a typical apprenticeship uh, program in Europe, uh, you, uh, your intake, most of them are age 16, 17 mm -hmm. maximum. Yep. So young guys, fresh from secondary level school. So ourselves, uh, our intake, our first intake was ranging from 25 to 45. 
<laughs> yeah, so also quite, there you a have <laughs> a huge age difference and of course they bring all different backpacks with experience with them mm. so that was uh, the challenge number one then challenge number two what you mentioned also completely correctly some they come from what we call posho millers so these are just these little uh, roadside mills how, how do you call them just posho millers posho millers okay yes those ones, they ground the corn or the wheat, whatever, just on a hammer mill. So okay. very, very basic milling, but quite a big number is still of the of the, the grains is still going through these posho mills. So is that is that kind uh, of, sorry to interrupt you all the time, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really yeah. interesting. Is that kind of the same idea that like it was in Europe like hundreds of years ago where, yes, exactly. where, where the farmer or, or the person just, goes to the market and buys grain and then brings it to a mill and gets it milled? Exactly. Okay. And the... imagine about uh, on corn, corn is our staple food here. And yeah. on corn, we can say still about 50% of the total corn is passing a posho mill. <laughs> really? Huge amounts. Yeah. Yes. That's incredible. So that's pretty much so they, we, everybody has fresh exactly. ground corn every day or twice a week they go to the yes. mill is that how that works yes wow yeah whenever you have corn you go to the posho you get it milled of course it's a whole grain then yep uh, of course quality parameters uh, quality assurance checking on aflatoxin uh, <laughs> never really happens on this uh, scale sure so they also kind of poison uh, the people here. That's a bad side effect mm -hmm. because we have a lot of aflatoxin maize here in the region. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. But there we really recover now from a small little posho miller until those huge flour mills. And to bring them all onto the same level of know-how when they enter the school, that's also quite a challenge. I, I, I bet. And this is why you probably start with everybody on the intake and you walk through the with basics. Everyone, right? exactly. They have to go through all the basics and they really have to start milling by zero. Mm. And then, so you, so we, we stopped at the first module, right? So that was pretty much intake and cleaning. Yeah. And you said that's one month yes. of schooling and yes. like yes. practical work, right? Exactly. Then so, they go back to their flour mills, to their employers. Mm -hmm. They will work there for another two to three months, where we also give them a lot of homework. Okay. So that whatever lear they learn now about the grain storage, the intake, also pre-cleaning, which is also an important topic of module one. Whatever they learned at school, now they have to put in practice. So they, you give them assignments they have to fulfill over, over exactly. those two or three months. Huh? And they also they have... Each of the student has a mentor, and the mentor has to monitor then also the progress of the assignment. And that would be somebody that works at the at the mill with them, huh? Exactly. Okay. Yes, that's what we call the mentor. Yeah. Okay. Good. And then they come back for the second module, and second module is completely dedicated for first cleaning and second cleaning, mm -hmm. and of course conditioning. Okay. Well, that's a big topic, you know. Yeah. For sure. It, fills also an entire month and then the same again then they go back home for two three months depends also at, at our schedule a little bit they come back for another month where we start then with the the core process the milling process mm -hmm. and now this milling process we can't uh, cover within one month so it will be two months okay. two models 
so, module three and four, yeah. So I remember going to school, right? And I would say 95% of my schooling was with wheat milling, right? Straight up flour milling. And we had a little yeah. bit, like we had a day of or two of Durham in there and then we had like a half a day of corn maybe or maize or you call it, call you guys call it over there. And, yeah. and that was about it. I imagine yours might be a little different, especially since you have a lot of maize and corn millers out there, right? Yes, definitely. We Our base is still on wheat milling. We explain all the machines on wheat. Yeah. But then we always say the speciality is now on the other grains. And it's not just corn or maize. It's also sorghum and millet. We, we mill also quite a lot of sorghum and millet here in the region. Interesting. And that also is quite a topic. Also, our school mill, it's something very special. And I think it's something very unique for the entire world. If we look at all the other school mills. So we have the only school mill that can mill maize, wheat, sorghum and millet huh. all together. We have the entire setup for everything. So since I have never done it, how do you... how how? How is it different to grind sorghum and millet from, from wheat? Is there what are the main main differences? Uh, the main differences is uh, definitely is the outer husk that needs to be removed. So you need a peeling or decortication process before your first break. Because mm -hmm. in this husk we have a lot of tannins. Oh, it's These bitter, are huh? Bitter components. Yeah. Yes, and this you need to get rid of. And beside that also you try to remove as much as possible um, of the germ already, of course, for the shelf life. Yep. And what sometimes also happens is a heat treatment as well before first break. Just just because of, of do you heat treat it for the, to just kill the enzymes? Is that the plan? Yes, mm -hmm. yes, just to increase the shelf life. Is it is it tempered at all? You put water on it? Yes, but you never go over 14%. Oh, really? Because that would just yeah. just would kill the shelf life, or what's what's the exactly idea because this sorghum is normally grown in very dry areas, so it could be that it gets to your mill with only ten ten and a half percent. So that's definitely not the flour you want to sell to your customers. No. Yeah. So well, financially, have probably to not. Wait <laughs> at least to a good flour moisture of thirteen point five minimum. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. makes sense. And then you say. Um, you take the husk off, is that, is that like a peeler like we used to from a duramel? You would use like a stone exactly. or diamond it's, uh, stone? Exactly the same, yeah, yeah. It's the one with the stone rotor, this PSPB, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you would just gradually grind it down in the milling process, huh? just the same as exactly, anything yes. else. But yes. then pretty much, you do you produce still a bran or something like that in the mill? Or you is still all? have a little bit yeah. of bran, yeah. But that's now more like a pollard. It's not really a brain. Yeah. yeah. It's just a very dark flower. Awesome. I just I just had no idea. See, and then you just they they bake you bake with that or what? Is there any kind of special dishes that is made out of in yes. the region? Yes, that's now the, the the beauty of this. You see, Africa in general, we we the we the a lot of uh, international wheat imports because we don't grow so much wheat here. Yeah. So all the governments, they always have the interest also to empower more local grains. And this would be now a local grain that can uh, easily farm here regionally. And these types of flour, sometimes they get mixed back to the normal wheat flour. You know, mm -hmm. just that we 
get more volume there. Yeah, that makes sense. Like yeah. in Western Africa, they do that with cassava flour. Yep. And now here in Eastern Africa, we do it with sorghum and millet. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So. And uh, then there are also the, the speciality products, like a staple food would then also be a, a porridge or uchi, as they call it here, which is a pure sorghum meal. Um, yeah. That gets boiled like any other kind of meal porridge, I would think, right? Yes. Water and yes. heat. Yeah. Or they do a whole bunch also on flatbread. If you also look at uh, our other neighboring country here, Ethiopia. Ethiopia has also a population of 110 million. And they do with sorghum, also with teff, which is another kind of millet, mm -hmm. they do this kind of flatbread. So it's like a fermented flatbread, like uh pancake-like, I would say. Yeah. And for them, it's also staple. Yeah. Interesting. From above and beyond service to incredible flower performance in your facility, Miller Milling Company goes the extra mile at every mill. Miller's team's dedication and attention to details helps them learn your business so they can work seamlessly as a part of your crew. Whether you need existing products or customized solutions, you can count on Miller to deliver exactly what you need. Miller Milling also works to make sure every link in your supply chain is secure so you get a reliable product on time, every time. And if something ever happens to go wrong, they always make it right. Because here, flour is more than a processed grain. It's a partnership. Welcome to Milling Made Easy. For over 40 years, Lawrence Conveying Products has been North America's single source manufacturer for all things tri-bulk. Lawrence offers a wide range of pneumatic conveying product solutions including diverter valves, slide gates, couplings, elbows and more. Customization is their specialty. Family owned since 1979, Lawrence understands the importance of quality service and flexibility. Clients aren't just clients, but rather extended members of the family. Save purchasing dollars by contacting Lawrence, your one-stop shop. going to the to the maize or corn side of it i have the experience milling corn in the united states i have some of experience milling corn in mexico and some of experience milling corn in south south africa and i saw fairly decent similarities in milling corn or maize in south africa versus the united states so it's pretty much dry corn milling we degerminate right we just grind it and gradually size it depending on what finished products we wanted so in the u.s fairly fairly often it's grits snack grits for you know for your typical snacks that get extruded or it's brewer's grits or flaking grits right flaking grits for cornflakes brewer's grits for for making beer right and i saw that similar in in southern africa a lot of white corn was milled to make a porridge i think they call it pop millipop out of that and then do you is that pretty much looks the same for you guys or do you do something similar to what central south america does with the masa and and things like that i uh, know we are also very dependent or very similar to what south africa does where our market a little bit changes is in south africa your extraction rates are much lower so in south africa where you have your first quality corn flour you go up to 64 65% maximum mm -hmm. 
in here it's more like a straight run flower because in south africa you always have your first grade and second grade flower here is straight run and always goes straight to 80 eh? percent so the fat content of course it's uh, it's big difference as well so here our normal staple food which is also kind of porridge like uh, goes up to one and a half 1.7 percent fat of where in south africa you would go up to one percent yep. maximum so yeah, that's also that. a little bit of difference yeah, yeah. Uh, i remember actually you were in this little little teeny tiny mill in the middle of nowhere there in south africa did the commissioning that time i was also there yeah oh yeah right i did it was uh, just north of johannesburg i think we were Botaville. yeah yeah, yeah. I think it was there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep that's where i learned yeah. my first corn milling it was quite different yeah. <laughs> good well, I think we covered some of the some of the specialities you guys do, which I wouldn't actually call them specialties. They're probably for us over here, but for you guys, it's as you said, it's staple food, which I think yeah. is completely interesting, and I think everybody should learn a little bit more about what that other cereals we call here specialty are often the major, major, majority milled in other countries. Good. Yes, and here actually, if you just uh, cross the border to our neighboring country, uh, Tanzania or Uganda, you will find uh, the staple, the corn flour, is now completely different than in Kenya. So, where in Kenya we always aim for maximum extraction, and where our flour is also going up to 710 micron cover mm -hmm. as a max. Now the neighboring countries, they want very fine powder. It's almost like cornstarch. So we've, but they do, do uh, they make porridge out of it too? Contents. They make also porridge. Interesting. And normally we we tell the guys, please don't put too much fines into your flowers because <laughs> when you cook the porridge, it gives lumps. It gets slimy, uh, lumpy too, yeah. Slimy, lumpy, exactly. So you have to mix with quite a lot of force. And now imagine those guys in the neighboring country, they just want fines. <laughs> and it, somehow they need to put this energy into these porridges every day. And okay, so something different, different cultures. Yeah, very. And, and that's, I think this is something we, we should again say and mention that a lot of people you know i talk to and i tell them i've been to africa i don't do any of this justice when i say i've been to africa because you know every country is so different in that in that you know in that continent and and how you just mentioned from not even going from western to eastern africa or southern africa but just the neighboring countries have a complete different idea of how to mill grain where you go to yeah. europe or pretty much every other western world and you talk about wheat milling and it's 99 percent the same right yes we talk a little bit about different ash contents we talk about you know soft wheat versus hard wheat versus durum but in the end of the day everybody does it the same where that's not the case with milling corn in africa it's very interesting no good well we covered we covered that we we went off a little bit of a of a different course but that's just fine and um, we talked about how it got started. 2015, you, you talked about that. So you have you have about 30 people a course. Is that how much you have? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we have for also maybe to summarize a little bit the courses, if we would fit them into a big pyramid, we would have the very basic education, which is our apprentice model. This is now six times one month. So the six modules, they come within two years. 
Then if we go to the next level, we are offering also a headmiller training. Mm-hmm. So those guys, they just came back last Monday after their assignment in the plant and they're going to finish now with their second module, second and last module because the, the headmillers, those are more senior guys. They are very active in production. They are t- partly production managers. We can't take them for an entire month. So they come for a shorter course. They come two times three weeks. And then beside that, we have a whole bunch of short courses. These mm-hmm. are weekly courses in all different languages because that's also a big thing in Africa. In Africa, we have a whole bunch of different languages. We speak Portuguese, we speak French, English, Arabic. So we also have to cover that a little bit. So it's milling courses in all the different languages, but then also maintenance courses, baking courses. We even introduce now a brewing course, for example, <laughs> at our facility, because that's also a good value addition to the grains. No? And I feel like that's And your background, the- isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes. If I remember I'm, right. I am a brewer, so my background, yes, I'm, I'm actually covering the entire value chain <laughs> because I grew, up, I grew up in a bakery in Switzerland. Then with 16, I started my apprenticeship as a brewer in a Swiss brewery. Then I worked in different breweries in the region there in Switzerland as well. Yeah. Before then, I started 2007 Uh, for Bühler, where I was doing in the very initial phase commissionings for biofuel plants. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah, definitely falls into the same kind of idea of brewing. So where did, just just a quick question, where was your apprenticeship for brewing in Switzerland? Which brewery was that? A teeny tiny brewery in the Rhine Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it's called Sonnenbräu. I don't uh, know if I know that. I drank yeah, a lot of beer in Switzerland. I just didn't know if I, have, okay. <laughs> if I had one of yeah, those yet. They are, they are quite small. They do 30,000 yeah. hectoliters per year, which is big for Switzerland, but small <laughs> on in international scale. It's a microbrewery. We call that over Yes, here. exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. So <laughs> that being said, you do all the short courses. So I would think that some of them are very similar to the um, short courses that are taught at K-State with help from Bühler, I would think. And... Obviously, those are pretty valuable for us over here, and I can see the value of that of that within within the continent of Africa. Now, the question is, how many different countries do you have in your course that just came back? I'm very interested in seeing the difference, because you talked about different languages, too. I'm going to come to that in a second, but how many different countries are represented right now? At the moment, we, well, of all students, including the short courses, we would say we have about 25 different countries, mm-hmm. wow. different nationalities. That's very impressive. That's quite a bit more than, than I was thinking. And then how do you cover all yeah, of that? Only in Africa, we have 50 countries. Yeah. Plus, we also cover Middle East, and we also have students from Pakistan, Okay. Yemen. Yeah, so... So how do you cover all those languages? How many languages do you speak? Myself, around five. Jesus. (laughs) Okay, so you do a lot of that by yourself. So I I would take. Yes, I don't speak Arabic uh, today, but uh, yeah, we are we are progressing somehow. So you say today, maybe tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? No, but. But for these courses, normally we get we get an expert because our mother yeah. company Bühler, we have offices in Morocco, we have offices in Dubai, 
So then normally an expert from there comes then for this short course, for this weekly short course and holds everything in his mother tongue. Perfect. Not bad at all. Wow. Well, good. So you have <laughs> you have covered five different languages by yourself. That's a good start. And then that's um, fine, yes, and that's that's quite easy and that's where we also expanded. So like in the past we never offered a course in Portuguese and that's now next year in April we will have our pioneer class Very nice. in Portuguese, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So which country in Africa speaks Portuguese? That's Mozambique and Angola. Mm -hmm. Good. And it's quite a big milling market there as well. I remember Mozambique being market, a giant market. Mozambique, yeah. yes, it was always. And and uh, Angola was relying a lot of uh, flour imports because of international partnerships. And then the government, they changed. And they were starting to build flour mills. And now they also, I would say the the last 10 years, they were building now also a huge uh, capacity there. Mm. So the next next question is is one that, that interests interests me for sure is um, how do you get companies that have not been really exposed to that much of a training culture obviously you know there's not that many milling schools and technical schools all over Africa how do you inspire or get companies to pay that kind of money to send people to a different country to get them trained obviously it works out for you because you have students you know but is, was yes. that was that an initial initial problem or does was it no problem at all right away of in the very beginning i would say it was not a problem at all because in the very beginning we were the pioneers and everyone who started in 2015 got the students back already after the first module they could see already a huge improvement mm -hmm. of the students behavior on what all of a sudden he started to think within the process and this is very important because these guys they start maybe to sweep the, the milling floor and then as they go they sweep more and then they get promoted now they also allowed to adjust the roller mill etc but they were never knowing in the past why do i need to adjust so we are giving them these instruments these tools this know-how why and this, as I said, it starts at the very beginning. And when these guys are already going back to their plants, they see the, the value addition they had due to the training. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. Now I can say, of course, many we have trained already. We had, uh, I would say, about 170 apprentices, graduate apprentices in the past uh, five years. Then we had uh, probably another 50 head millers. Uh, but now with the short courses and everything, with the workshops and uh, all what we are also doing, I would say about 1,000 people have already passed our facility, which is quite a number. So you can also see now the Kenyan market gets a little bit saturated. And because mm. uh, they have trained the guys now and yeah, so now what's next? Huh? So that means now for us, it's a bit a challenge now to fill up the classes still the way how we filled them up in the past, because now we have to go actively to the customers. We have to convince them. We have to promote our courses. Yeah. So makes sense. That's yeah. why we are still on a good track. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, yeah. and obviously over, out of all the 100 plus students you had coming out, it sounds like, um, 
most of them were pretty successful, though some of them went to Swiss Milling School. Some of them, you know, went back to their companies and, and you know, started their career on a different step because obviously it accelerates the learning progress quite a bit. Do you have any um, any success stories you can of ex-students you can share? Yeah, definitely. Uh, some Some companies, they make it now mandatory that they have a very accept, uh, acceptable passing mark at the apprentice course, mm -hmm. first of all. Then they have to come again for a very acceptable passing mark in the head miller course. And only then they are sent to Switzerland to the Swiss milling school. And we had a whole bunch. I would say we had already, as I said in the beginning, we had already about 10 students that went to the Swiss milling school successfully. Um, that's definitely something. Then after they normally pass the apprenticeship program, they get automatically more responsibility in their plant as well. They become shift leaders, they become uh, shift managers, however you want to call it. So quite a big success as well. Um, we had these two lady millers as well out from Kenya here. Uh, they got promoted straight away, which was an absolute awesome. great um opportunity for them because here the milling market is really male dominant yeah so, not just there <laughs> unfortunately yeah, yeah. So i think it's only i think it's only russia where you find uh, yes. female millers no many of uh, them yeah. i think the only uh, country but uh, really also give the lady millers here the, the they could really show that they can also do it they did it and then now they they are leading a shift so that's definitely also some success story. Mm. So you see, uh, do you, did you see people coming through all the way from the apprenticeship? They now had millers. Yes, definitely. The yeah. current class uh, we have, we have now four students uh, in the current head miller class, which were former apprentice millers. Man, that's yeah. pretty pretty amazing those, in a time those, of five years. Yeah, those guys they were exactly five years. But of course, as I said, you see the range is now from 25 to 45 years <laughs> old guys. So those guys, they were probably already working 15 years in the milling industry, but no one ever told them why they have to do it like that. You mm. see, that's the big point. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot and of sense. And then we had this other guy. Uh, he, that's now was a guy which was a bit older. I think it was, yeah, he was our like senior, senior guy. But he also, we gave him all the tools. We gave him the idea of baking as well, because we also teach baking here at the school. And he got so fascinated about the whole baking thing, the whole baking process. So he just went back home and he opened a bakery here in Nairobi. And he's now <laughs> a successful baker. Awesome. It's also a way, it's also a career path, no? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a cool story too. Awesome. Well, I think I got to know a, li a little bit more about the African Milling School, actually quite a bit more. I, I, Some of those things, I just had no idea what you guys are doing down there. And I'm very impressed, Stefan, what you do for for um, the people, for sure, in that market. I'm pretty sure there was no, no such thing as, as, as a school or an experience they could have before. So I'm very thankful for you to do this. And um, I think for our listeners, too, it's it's quite the few into into um, your daily business and how you promote milling within a completely different part of the world that I'm that I've seen in a while. So thank you, thank thanks a lot for your for your input. 
Yeah, thank you very much for the interest. And I also have to say thank you to our mother, mother company again, to Bühler, who makes all these things possible because that was also in the very beginning. There was always, should we do it with the government? Should we do it with a local university, whatever? But, you know, in Africa, these things are very complicated. So <laughs> if you want to have things done, you just do it, you know. Yep. That's a little bit uh, the approach. And then... We just also, we, we frequently receive a shipment from the U.S. Wheat Association. Oh, wonderful. Which we also highly appreciate. So we do the test milling for their wheats here in Africa. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's, it's very nice because that's the other big point. Sometimes when we do, um, when we do receive the, the grain here, they say, yeah, it's... Uh, HRW or whatever, but it's always mixed with Russian wheat and whatever. So we, <laughs> we don't get these pure varieties here. So it's good to have this partnership with the US Wheat Associates as well, yeah. who are shipping separately so that we get pure varieties and we do our blending here in the school and not somewhere in the port. You so know. you so you got just, just now you got really a little bit of closer to where I am. You just told me that you're milling Kansas wheat and in a small mill in, in Nairobi, which is, that is, I think, is pretty impressive. Yes, thanks. How do you, one more question before we have to stop, but how yeah. do you get the wheat in? I mean, you don't mill much. I know in Africa you usually get a whole boatload, literally, of wheat in. How do you, how do you get Do you get exactly. it in the container or? Yeah, for ourselves, we just get it in container and it's always a big headache with the import <laughs> because officially... We only have one company here in Kenya that is allowed to import wheat. Yeah. So everything has to go over them and they have these huge silos in the port and that's where everything, yeah, whatever. So. Oh, I <laughs> can see the problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can see the problem. Yeah. Hey, you've been to Africa, good. Yeah. So no, uh, we import ourselves, which is a bit costly most of the time, but it's very nice. We have HRW, we have DNS, yeah. We have soft red winter, we have everything, you know, it's it's really, we, we are set up. Awesome, perfect, perfect. Well, Stefan, thank you again, that was that was wonderful, I hope we can talk soon. And um, Yeah, you know, Simon, thanks again for the interest, and yes, always in touch. All sure. right, you have a good day. Okay, Bye. yeah, you too, cheers, bye.